It's time to swing into the golf world of today. I don't think I've had this much fun on a golf show. The Pro Show with Keith Stewart, sponsored by TaylorMade. Terrific voice, and you have enthusiasm. Now your host, the director of fun. Give me that guy all day. He's the best. Keith Stewart. Good afternoon, and welcome to The Pro Show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. Thank you for tuning in to ESPN 920. Well, we're on the grounds of the 122nd U.S. Open at the Country Club, and the golf world is focused on Boston. And on a week where history takes center stage, golf's most entertaining hour is here to put it all into perspective. Got a couple great guests. Can't wait to get to them, too. But for now, Wade, light it up. It's a major week. All right, I've got a fast and furious hour lined up for you there, Mr. Wade Weezer. Ooh, can I be The Rock? I already have one of my guests. He's in Fast and Furious, isn't he, The Rock? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> what are you, what are you, you're already getting me started on tangents. <laughs> Sorry. Come on. That's okay. That's okay. You, even though I'm not there with you, you know, your brain is here with me in spirit. It's still Friday. That's great. That's true. Hey, by the way. This past week, I saw Maverick. Have you seen it yet? No, I have not. Is oh, it as awesome it. as they say it is? Oh, man. It's tears in my eyes. It's uh, unbelievable. Wow. It was great. It was great. It okay, was great. Well, okay. Thank I, you. That's I'm, a recommendation. I'm almost sorry I'm not there to share this moment with you <laughs> in the studio. Oh, jeez Louise. I'll grit my so t- I digress. You know what? Next week, we'll play some shirtless volleyball to make up for it. Oh, uh, well, you know, they do... <laughs> <laughs> they do something like that again. Okay. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> what, what would life be if it weren't gratuitous? <laughs> so Boring. All right. But anyway, my first guest has already stared at me. So we, let me get through a couple things right here, and uh, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll invite him in. And our first guest this afternoon is going to be Lee Wabransky, golf's most awesome graphic artist. He does the poster for all four majors, but he's here signing posters. Uh, today, he was signing them with Gil Hance, the architect. Uh, really, really cool scene over there at the merchandise tent. I borrowed him for about 20 minutes. We're going to talk to him. And then following that, it's a major week. So we got to talk to Teddy Greenstein from PointsBet. Awesome. Got to do it. We got to do it. So we got a lot to get to. And uh, there's been a lot going on here this week, man. Yeah, I, I I don't even the fallout from it's been a week. <laughs> the Live Golf Greg Norman tour, ego tour is just it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable, and and the guys are so fed up talking about it. I yeah, I, I don't imagine. even know I don't even know where to go on this thing. Yeah, yeah, and it's like you, uh, like you want to ask a question. Too, I bet you want to ask a question, but you don't want to ask the question because you don't want to ask them the question, but you want the answer. Uh, there was just some great theater in the press conferences earlier this week because you got guys like Phil that that want to talk about it, and then you've got guys like Brooks or Rom who are just you know they they're just so frustrated by even being asked the question. Yep. You know, I can see that. Why would you ask me something that's not about me? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's just it's crazy. It's crazy. All right. So let me do this. Let 
Let's uh, let's do a quick uh, New Jersey Golf Foundation read, and then uh, we'll go into break. And Lee's right here next to me, and I'm going to have him sit down, and we're going to talk to him. All right, here's your music. The New Jersey Golf Foundation, the charitable arm of the New Jersey PGA section, is committed to positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf. The foundation recently opened the Inspiration Golf Range, located on the Lions campus of the VA New Jersey Healthcare System in Bernard's Township. The multi-purpose facility, which is open to the public, will host golf programming for youth, veterans, and individuals with special needs. To support the foundation or learn more about programs and special events, please visit NewJerseyGolfFoundation.org or call 732-465-1212. All right, it's only about five minutes past three here in Boston. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. We'll be back in a moment with golf's coolest artist. The New Jersey Golf Foundation, the charitable arm of the New Jersey PGA section, is committed to positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf. With a focus on three core pillars, youth, military, and special needs, the NJGF delivers dynamic programming led by PGA professionals. So individuals from all backgrounds can experience the game of golf in a welcoming environment. An exciting new development is coming soon as the Inspiration Golf Range on the campus of the Lions VA Medical Center in Somerset County will serve as a new golf training facility for Special Olympics New Jersey, as well as the new home site for the PGA Hope, a rehabilitative golf program program for veterans. To support the New Jersey Golf Foundation or learn more about programs and special events, please visit NewJerseyGolfFoundation.org or call 732-465-1212. That's NewJerseyGolfFoundation.org or 732-465-1212. Time to get back on course as the pro show continues. Great show and great questions. Once again, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to the Pro Show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, and you're listening to ESPN 920. You know, being tasked with creating one solitary image to represent an iconic venue and championship is a tall order. But for 15 years, Lee Wybranski has not only accepted that challenge, he has evolved it. Golf's greatest graphic artist is here this week to celebrate the U.S. Open, sign some posters, and like the rest of us, enjoy all the country club has to offer. We all see the world. But my friend Lee takes that vision and makes it into a memory. Something about those images just makes me a little emotional. Friday afternoon, and I've got Lee Wabransky with me. The artist, the man, the myth, the legend at a historic place. Lee, great friend. So good to be with you this afternoon here on the Pro Show. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Keith. Great to see you, buddy. Let's jump right in. How has your U.S. Open experience been this week? It's been superlative. I've been looking forward to this one for a number of years, and uh, it has absolutely lived up to the hype so far, and the best is yet to come. All right, well, hang on there. Now, you said you've been looking forward to this for years, right? That means you you had to look past a couple of of U.S. Opens in order to get here, right? Why, Why have you been looking forward to this one? Well, even before uh, the the trials of the last couple of years in terms of the pandemic and events being canceled and postponed and whatnot, uh, you know, this one is special. The the U.S. Open hasn't been to the country club uh, since the 80s, as we all know, and uh, that's kind of a a magic recipe uh, for me. I take a particular inspiration when the Open goes to historic venues like this. 
Uh, but when it's uh, an historic venue that hasn't seen the championship for decades, uh, we know uh, what to expect in terms of excitement, especially uh, from a sports town like Boston. Yeah, Boston's going to bring it this weekend. There's no doubt about that. And there's enough controversy, which you and I aren't going to get into in golf these days. Good. But um, Boston will have some fun with that. There, there's, there's no doubt in my mind there. Now, uh, I believe this is your 15th U.S. Open. Is that this correct? is my 15th U.S. Open poster. You know, I haven't worked every single one uh, because of uh, some of the, the trials we just mentioned. Yeah, but sure. uh, this is my 15th uh, piece of official artwork for the championship. Yes. So if my math is correct, that goes back to Tory, right? Tory and Tiger and Rocco and everything, right? Yeah. So, so let's go back there, right? And let's think about now. Put it all in perspective. Like, it, like this was an Instagram post or whatever, you know. Um, what's changed? Oh, boy. That's a curveball. I wasn't expecting that. What's changed? I mean, every open is a little bit different, for, you know, from one year to the next. Uh, this year uh, is a, you know, because of it's, it's very similar to Marion. I feel like this year it, it reminds me of that historic venue, uh, sort of surrounded by dense residential areas. Uh, so compared to Tory, you know. I thought they were all going to be like Tori. I, I walked in there having uh, not uh, worked uh, the championship uh, as the poster artist before, uh, and it was a huge success, as we all know. Tiger Woods winning on a broken leg in a playoff. It was a perfect storm. I made one of my best images, and, and we sold very, very well that week, and then I thought that that was, uh, that was the way it was going to be. And then the next year was Beth Page, uh, you know, and it rained for 11 straight days and, and we had angry New Yorkers all around. So, uh, you know, every year is a little bit different from one to the next. Uh, this one is just one of the gems to me. I mean, already uh, it feels very, very special. And it, as I said, it's really lived up to the hype. We came in expecting a lot uh, from Boston and the country club, and it's been even better than we had hoped. The U.S. Open, it's an institution. Mm. What's, what's remained the same? over 15 years. What's the common thread? I mean, in my experience, uh, being inside the merchandise tent, uh, that, that's really uh, the common thread for me. I spend most of my days uh, here on site signing posters for fans and customers and, and golf, uh, golf folks. So it's, uh, it's great to reconnect, especially after a couple of years absent uh, for me. Uh, it's great to sort of have all these happy reunions with the industry people, with, uh, whether it's fellow vendors, media folks, players, sure. etc. Uh, so you see a lot of the same people doing this, uh, which I enjoy very much. And uh, the the atmosphere, it's almost like Groundhog Day sometimes. You walk into that merchandise tent after uh, not having been in one for a couple of years. It feels, you know, just like uh, just like three years ago. Just like when you, you know, when we walked out of the merchandise tent at, at uh, Pebble Beach. Do you find that um, the fans, like let's talk about the vibe for a second, right? You know, that you, you sit there day after day and you're signing posters and, you know, everyone comes up and they're appreciative of what you do. Right, that you create this iconic image for their championship. It might be the only time they ever come to this event. Right. What's been the vibe from this Northeast crowd this week? Man, it has been absolutely fantastic. I mean, from the very right. first day. I've been here over a week already. Uh, the first day, we were just open to uh, members and staff of the country club, okay. and it was the busiest day one that I could remember. The, the community here is so excited. Uh, and starting with the members who have all been just super supportive and super friendly and, and beyond excited for the event. And then uh, rippling out to the community at large. Uh, you know, as I'm signing posters at the desk, there's always a little bit of chit chat, which I enjoy very much. And, and obviously one of the common questions is, you know, where are you from? Where's home? And 
I feel like 98% of the customers here are from literally right down the street. So uh, the town has turned out in a very big way, and, and that's been apparent from the very first moment on site. You and I are both Northeast guys. I'm a Jersey guy, you're a Philly guy. That's right. All right? We're all born and raised. Um, what is it about, I mean, we can have our Chambers Bays, we can have our Torrey Pines, right? But what is it about coming up here in the Northeast corner? You already mentioned Marion once, I'm sure it's gonna come up again. <laughs> that iconic, you know, the Wicker Baskets, 2013, great poster you did there, right? But what is it about this, like, these, these historical courses that gets everyone so excited? What is it about the country club that gets you excited this week? Well, I feel like it's places like this that really, uh, you might say, built the brand of the U.S. Open. You know, uh, we were coming up uh, during a time when the U.S. Open meant a few things. It meant really deep rough. It meant small, hard, fast greens, and you know, it was a you know, it was a punishing endurance test almost, uh, as much as a you know, a test of shot making and putting. Uh, so I, you know, these these venues in the Northeast. I mean. Going past the fact that you know we're at a founding member club of the USGA, I mean it's always special uh, when when you go to places that are among the first five clubs that formed the golf association. Yeah. Uh, you know you're going to the roots, and and this is really uh, the roots of the game in America are right here. And to be able to paint that and to be present and to to paint it for the national championship, it, it's really. You know, you're going right to the source. It's like, uh, I don't know, the Holy Grail or something, places like this in the Northeast. And I enjoy the West Coast Opens very, very much. Uh, they have uh, their own things that they bring to the table. Uh, but when I think of the U.S. Open, you know, I think of places like Marion and the Country Club and Shinnecock. And, and that's where my mind goes. And as an artist, I draw tremendous inspiration from history. And the history here is uh, visceral. It's, it's everywhere. It's ubiquitous. I mean, you can't, you can't walk or look around here without running right into it. So uh, I love that about this. Well, that's definitely the buzz this week, the history. You know, you said it a couple times there. You can't get away from it when you're here. You know, you start to think about what we met did, you know, 109 years ago, whatever it was. And one of the things is that obviously you're an extremely talented artist, okay? It's so cool what you create, right? But you always seem to capture something about the essence of the place, which I know leads to you doing a ton of great research about the place. And this is one of those venues, these iconic venues that we always talking about that, you know, when you start digging in, something comes up. It kind of blows your mind. Is there anything that when you were preparing to do this year's poster, right, where you started to dig into, you know, the stories or the members or somebody brought something up? And because I know you always ask really thoughtful questions when you get to the venue because you're looking for that that one place to encapsulate, you know, what means, you know, you have 18 holes, there's 236 acres here, right? So like you start asking questions and you go, all right, was there something that you learned about this place that was new to you, that was fresh, that was fun, and you know, that you could share? Yeah, I, I suppose uh, one of the things that was really interesting, I, I always, even if uh, I go to a place and I sort of have a very clear idea, when I, when I visit a site for the first time to do my field work, my photos, my sketching, uh, lots of times I know, uh, you know what will move the needle with the general public before I even get to the grounds. Uh, here at the Country Club, uh, I was fairly confident that we would be working with the 18th and the clubhouse because that is what the layperson in this golf game or in this game uh, knows about. You know, the famous Primrose Yellow Clubhouse and 
the very, very difficult 18th green with those deep bunkers around it. Uh, you know, there was an inclination towards that from the very start, but nonetheless, I'm a big believer in due diligence. I approach every job uh, with sort of uh, open eyes, and I, I look around uh, to every nook and cranny of the golf course. So uh, the couple of days I spent uh, here last year uh, sort of exploring the golf course, what really blew me away uh, was just this stunning beauty of this property. Uh, the rugged, natural aesthetics of the golf course. I love all the exposed rock. Uh, someone told me it's called Pudding Stone. I've been quoted a few times on that, so I hope it's true. But the exposed rock out here and, and uh, a few of the holes in particular have really dramatically undulating fairways with the cut lines coming, you know, tightly in and out in these, you know, hourglass shapes and just the kind of golf holes that you really don't see anywhere else. And, and that's always exciting to me, you know, as a visual person, as an artist. Uh, there were a few holes out there that I really, really wanted to paint, still want to paint, uh, but it just didn't make a lot of sense to, to feature them uh, in the official poster. Uh, but I'm going to try and get out there even still over the weekend, early in the morning, and maybe do a little sketching and such because, you know, certain places, uh, they make you want to grab your golf clubs or they make me want to grab my paintbrush. And one of the neat things here, uh, I was very fortunate to have been commissioned by the club to create a U.S. Open piece uh, for the country club membership directly. And that was a, a beautiful uh, decorative map of the 18 holes that are being used for the championship this year. And as you probably know, these particular 18 holes have never been used in a major championship ever. There's, there's one new hole. It's a beautiful, uh, dramatic uh, par three short hole, downhill, uh, tiny green, bunkered like crazy. And uh, knowing Gil Hands and, uh, as a friend and, and knowing the, the magic that he works at, at venues such as this, uh, I was really excited to come in the first place. And then when I got here, I just thought, wow, it's just so, so beautiful. And, and, and to, to paint uh, holes that haven't seen major championship play before this national championship was really one of the really nice surprises. Well, I'll tell you what, the, you're talking about the 11th. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, the members play it all the time, but when it was the 99 Ryder Cup or the U.S. Opens prior to that, when they talk about the open course, they had to walk by that hole. And, um, man, I just think about how difficult your job is because I think about the Himalayas and, you know, that's that those the the rocks just jetting out or i think about the third hole which you know everyone's watching on tv you watched the first round yesterday everyone sees these things and i and I, I i thought to myself because i know this place so intimately and i worked in boston for all those years in the late 90s and i said you know what there won't be a major championship this visually impressive right in the last five years or probably for the next five years and we're talking about going to places like St. Andrews, but just like just like the views and the drones and the footage and the stuff that they do in coverage nowadays that they didn't do right. in 99, you know, for the Ryder Cup. And they're going to show this place in such a way. I, I think about how difficult your job must have been to choose that spot, because like I love the third hole. I think it's one of the greatest par par fours in the country. Right. But you have to show the clubhouse. You have to do all these things. I mean, it, is there an aha moment there or is it just like, yeah, I have to do the clubhouse or, you know, I mean, you know, was there another spot that it came down to in the running for the poster that you were like, um, you're like, okay, I could basically flip a coin. Either one would be successful, but um, tell me about that. Yeah. Well, the two holes you mentioned, uh, the third and the 10th are the Himalayas. Uh, those are the two other candidates. Every year uh, that I approach this uh, assignment, I, 
I come up with three sketches, three views that I present to the USGA, and together we decide what we think is going to be the most suitable. Uh, so this year, those, the two holes that you mentioned uh, caught my eye immediately, and I, I really spent a lot of time uh, exploring those two holes from every angle, and I found some great looks that I don't think you know, people have seen before. Uh, but really, uh, I view my assignment uh, as an effort to capture everything about the venue and the championship in one view. That's really what I'm trying to do. And, and that, in a way, that's the definition of iconic to me. You know, it, it's not including any of the details that, that don't need to be there. I strip away everything that is inessential and I focus on what is utterly essential about uh, the venue and the championship. And I showcase that and put a spotlight on that in my work. And that's really the way that I approach the, the project. And so. Uh, obviously, it, it, it wasn't a difficult decision uh, this time around. We really knew that the 18th here is just, you know, it's one of the great finishing holes in golf, but even more so, you know, Pebble has that great finishing hole, but the green site, you know, it's like everyone always talks about the first tee at Marion and how, oh, sure. how you know, you're literally right next to people eating their lunch and you can hear all the silverware go onto the plates as you're about to tee off and there's that deafening silence. Well, here, the green site uh, of the home hole, right outside the veranda with the gorgeous old oak trees surrounding it. I mean, it's, it's just, it's so, it's grand and intimate at the same time, so... It afforded me uh, tremendous opportunities to really create something special visually. Yeah, there's, there's another point when, when you're on that 18th green or you're just in the fairway looking up, the first thing you see is the famous 1999 Ryder Cup balcony, mm -hmm. right? And although that building, the golf house building, is brick, where the locker room is and everything, you know, that doesn't stand out as much as the yellow, but um, well, I guess it comes down to color, right? How much fun is it to work mm -hmm. with an institution that like basically has color as part of the fabric of their universe, right? You know, I mean, the, the yellow and the green, I mean, it probably makes your job easier, but how much more fun does it make your job? Oh, I mean, it's great. Uh, I'm a big, uh, you know, we do a lot of branding work, so I, I, love, I love how the country club has really almost trademarked uh, or owned uh, those two colors. I mean, there's really no other club that you would think of when you see this primrose yellow. And the particular shade of yellow is very, you know, not many people might notice that, I suppose, but it's a very specific and particular hue of yellow and green. So uh, it's, it's great. I, I, I definitely enjoy the opportunity to, to, to work with uh, different colors than you might typically. You know, this is really the first time that yellow has come to the forefront. A lot of times, uh, like last year, for example, you know, anytime we can work with water in the picture, uh, that's, you know, to an artist, that's a, that's a dream. I mean, you, you want water in a picture. It always adds visual interest. Everyone loves the water, and everyone loves to sit by the water and look at it. So, uh, you know, as an artist making a picture, if you can put the Pacific Ocean in there, it makes your yeah. job a whole lot easier. So while this isn't the Pacific Ocean, you know, having, having a really distinctive uh, and, frankly, happy color, uh, you know, neurologically speaking, yellow is the color of happiness uh, that's what it oh, does wow. to your brain right. it makes it, it makes you uh, feel good uh, so to be able to uh, really build a picture around that base was really fun now one of the reasons we became friends so long ago is that we have a, a kind of a conjoined network right of people and I'll tell you a funny story about the color green here at the country club so when Springdale which you did the logo for right yeah. when I first got there I asked a bunch of people I said what are the club colors 
because I had experienced places like here or like myopia where it was mm-hmm. like the red and the yellow. You know, yeah. like, so uh, I, I went and they said, well, it, we think it's green. They said, well, we're not sure what shade of green it is. I said, well, okay, I, I know what to do. So I called Brendan, Brendan Walsh, the director mm-hmm. of golf here. I said, Brendan, what's your shade of green? Because, you know, it's, it's a Northeast club. It's a classic club. It wasn't going to be Augusta green, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's too, uh, you know, it, that too much resembles their whole vibe. You know what I mean? And, and the vibe there in Princeton was that of something old world, like right. up here, right? So I called Brendan and he told me what the shade of green was and, and we borrowed it, <laughs> you know? Like I, I don't know if that's legal or not, but I'm not there anymore, so they're not going to come get me. But you know, you it, it's all good. Now, you talk about work and you talk about business, right? And you talk about all the challenges of the pandemic. Right, so let's shift gears for a second. Let's talk about you for a second. What have you been up to, right? As an artist, you go to different clubs, you experience events, you paint, you talk to people. I mean, a big part of what you do isn't just what you draw, but it's the people that you get to engage with, right? You didn't get to do that for a little while, and now you're back, right? What have you been doing? And you know, what's on, you know, what's Lee Wybranski up to? Well, I've been doing the same thing that I always do. I just, uh, it's more like what I haven't been doing. And what I haven't been doing is uh, going to the events and, and connecting with the people and the fans. So uh, it's been really, really fun to be back. Uh, this event is, uh, is a marathon for us. I mean, I'm here for 11 days. Uh, and it's, uh, it's just a complete immersion, I guess, would be the best word for it. It, it really, you kind of put blinders on, and as soon as you walk through the gates here, you know, it's all U.S. Open. That's what you're living and breathing and talking, and uh, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, work-wise, I've been doing, as I said, the same thing as ever. We're, uh, we're busier than ever. Uh, the pandemic was, uh, was certainly good for golf, as we all know. And uh, as a result of that, uh, we were busier than ever over the last couple of years. I mean, the first part of 2020, everything froze up for, for the first two quarters. Uh, but uh, once people started to, you know, get out onto the golf course to save their sanity, uh, we started getting more and more calls from private clubs. So the, the major championship work that I do uh, has continued unabated. Um, you know, we did, all, we did all the projects that we normally do over the last couple of years. I just haven't gone to the, to the events themselves and, and really connected with people. So it's been absolutely wonderful. I mean, I'm very fortunate uh, in the capacity that I work in. Most of the customers I have here this week, it's not their first Lee Wybranski poster. It's, sure. it's their third or their fifth or sometimes their tenth or their twelfth, you know. So uh, you can imagine how gratifying it is to, uh, to connect with everybody after a couple of years of sort of just working hold up in my studio. I mean, I love being in my studio. I love, you know, being in between my ears and, and diving into a painting and just sort of, you know, doing what I do. Uh, but it is very good for me to get out of the studio and get with the people and really be reminded of how much my work really touches people. You know, it's extremely gratifying. And I often joke that, you know, almost everybody who stops by the desk uh, for a poster and, and even people, you know, who don't buy the poster because they don't have any wall space anymore will stop by and say, I'm so sorry not to buy it. I love it. But I don't have any room. But I just wanted to stop and tell you how much I love your work and keep doing what you're doing. And, uh, you know, not too many people get to enjoy experiences like that on a daily basis, and, and that's what being at the U.S. Open has been for me this year. It's been just a great chance to, to catch up with people, and uh, both old friends uh, and new people. Uh, and I always laugh that, you know, if, if they don't like the, the artwork, they usually don't stop to tell me. So I hear mostly nothing but good stuff. 
that's, that's a great point. You know, it's like a shirt. If they don't like it, they don't buy it, right? But at the same time, I mean, the years after years that you've had, and, and I'm sure I, I know you, I know you have a great memory, and I know you're great with people, right? So we, you, you must see a bunch of the same people. Right, you know, people, oh, yeah. people that tend to to go to the Masters, they also go to the U.S. Open. You know, there's that there's that level of you know golf customer or whatever. But I guess in some respects, though, it must be turning over a little bit. Do you find that the next generation of golf fan, with all its popularity and everything, enjoys your work as much as let's say our parents do? Yeah, and that's extremely gratifying as well. You know, I really do feel like uh, you know I have the same sort of older customers that I've always had, but you know, as we know through the social media world we live in, golf has really exploded in the oh. last 10 years on social. So, you know, you got guys coming up in, in their Flyers Club hats and their, their No Laying Up hats and, you know, their fried egg and, you know, all these things, these, yep. these little communities that have sort of been, been built and nurtured uh, on social and, uh, and all that kind of a thing. So there's a great, uh, you know, I'm older, so I kind of call it the golf hipster uh, hang, you yeah, know, the, right. the beards and, and the flat brim caps. Uh, but man, the enthusiasm for the game and, and I, I, I love how uh, the sort of youthful side of the fan base is so, uh, what would you say, they lack any pretense about it. You yes. know, it's all That's about great, the yeah. game itself and there's a, you know, a deep and abiding love affair with the game, but you know, they're not caught up in, uh, you know, having the right logo on their shirt or anything like that. It's all about just getting together and having a great time on the golf course and, and trying to beat your buddy. And, uh, you know, I, I love connecting with them. And it makes me feel like I'm doing something right, you know, when, when you know, I, I sign posters for, you know, six, seven-year-old kids who, uh, whose parents are, you know, getting them into the game. Sure. And so from a six-year-old to a 65-year-old, you know, I'm, I'm chatting with people uh, and everywhere in between. So it's wonderful. I mean, I, I think that picture and, and, you know, art does that and music does that. You know, the creative arts have the ability uh, to really connect with people across age groups and demographics. And, you know, I get to really experience that in a very palpable way when I'm on site. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, one of the reasons, I think the last time you and I spoke on the show was 2018 Shinnecock, right? Mm -hmm. It's the U.S. Open is something that draws us, you and I together, because, you know, there's no doubt I'm a huge fan of your work, right? Thank but you. At, at, at the same time, though, you know, I, I think it also kind of runs hand in hand with, like, your partnership with the, the U.S. Open. Right, it's these it's these iconic championships that have to be encapsulated like in a poster. And how do you do that, right? Mm -hmm. And and you know we're such a visual society, you know, as, as human beings and such, right? And there's one other thing that we do as human beings is that we tend to like race on to the next thing and to the next right. thing and the next thing. So I got one more question for you before I know I know you got to go back and start re-signing posters, you know, for for more of your fans and and for more of the people that are here, but. There's a big one coming up, okay? And I know you're, you know, you love golf. Yeah. Right? It's the fabric of who you are, right? It comes across uh, through your paintbrush and all that you do, all your sketches, right? But 150th Open Championship, I know you're going, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, tell me about what that means to you to be a part of an institution like that, but also just like as a fan going over, right? How excited you are! 
Well, as I said earlier, I, you know, both as a fan, as an artist working in this, uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge lover of history, uh, you know, even away from golf, I love history. But in terms of how I've worked my way into getting to know the game from the very beginning, uh, I read as much as I could of the old classic books, you know, The Spirit of St. Andrews by uh, Mackenzie or The Lynx by Robert Hunter. Like, I love all, I, I read as much of the old stuff as I could. So I'm a huge uh, just devotee of all of that. So obviously St. Andrews is the home, you know, it's the, it's the home of the game. It's, it's the taproot. It's, it's where it all comes from. Uh, so, you know, when I first was hired to create artwork of the old course, you know, that was just a, that was a new mountaintop, you know, you, sure. you really feel uh, like you've arrived someplace uh, special uh, when you get tasked with something like that. You know, I can remember, you know, we did hand painted yardage books for Marion uh, many years back. So I spent days walking uh, the golf course, making uh, little pencil notes of every little ripple and, and swale and a hollow uh, on the property. And then, you know, being a Philly guy, that was hugely special. That was sort of one mountain. And then a few years later, uh, we did the same thing for the old course at St. Andrews. And, and you know, you can, you can imagine the thrill. It's just you feel like uh, you're walking out there with ghosts, you know. You're walking out there with Bobby Jones and Harry Varden and, and you know, uh, young Tom. Like, you know, if you, if you know all the stories, uh, you know, it just makes the experience that much richer. So... Yeah, I've always viewed the work I do in golf as, as one sort of small tile in a, in a grand mosaic that spans centuries. You know, there's tremendous legacy of art and literature around this great game. And to be able to make a modest contribution to that is a, is a wonderful thrill. Going to the 150th Open, I, you know, it's hard to describe. Uh, I wish I could answer the question sort of after I'm there because... Uh, I've worked one, one open at St. Andrews already, 2015, and, and that was spectacular. Uh, we had a little bit of every kind of weather there. Uh, it was Mr. Palmer's last visit to, to the old course. Uh, I got to watch him uh, walking the links uh, for that final time. Uh, so there, there's, there's always something special about uh, the open at St. Andrews, but uh, being uh, assigned with the poster for the 150th Open Championship the first and oldest championship in the game. You know, it's a difficult to put into words what a thrill that is. I can tell. And I, just looking at you right now, you know, I can see kind of the emotion, you know, that, that you're dealing with and trying to answer that question. And, and um, in many ways, just, you know, it, there's never an Everest for you and I, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not, it's not a bad thing to be in the Himalayas. <laughs> you know, it's not, well said. it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Now, not everyone's as fortunate as you and I. They don't get to be here this week at the Country Club. If they want to catch up with your work, right, just a quick plug. How can they find it? And uh, maybe they want a poster sure. of the U.S. Open. And, you know, I, I know that, you know, if people reach out to you on social or whatever, that you'll sign stuff and you'll send, you'll personalize it. You'll send it to them. So um, real quick, just yeah, how yeah. do listeners... All our posters are available at, at our website, leewybransky.com. Uh, this year's U.S. Open poster is also available at usgashop.com. Uh, and uh, probably most active on Instagram in terms of social media, that being you know, the most visual platform. So leewybransky Lee on Instagram, posting pretty much daily uh, from, from the country club this week. And 
you can really see uh, a lot of uh, both work that's already done and, and work that's in process. You know, we try and use Instagram to sort of bring people into the studio or, or show them uh, how things start and uh, how things develop through the course of the creative process. You know, a lot of times creating a painting is a series of discoveries. So uh, I try and, you know, give people glimpses of that process uh, because a lot of people ask those questions, you know, how do I do what I do? So it's a great way to, to showcase uh, the process and, and not just the product or the end result. So uh, those are the areas uh, that people can find us most easily and uh, we always welcome messages. It's great to hear from people and as you say, happy to sign or personalize anything that comes in through the website. Um, it's, been a, it's been a super exciting week and uh, we, we've added a lot of followers this week. Uh, it's, it's, it's just just a great, great thrill to be out with the people again and, and, and chatting with folks like yourself. Yeah, I try, I, I try to be creative, but at the end of the day, I really only have one question for you. How do you do what you do? Now, <laughs> I asked you six or seven questions today, but basically that's the essence of it all. And uh, you know what? At the end of the day, just look at the poster, folks. You know, I mean, that's how he does what he does. You know, I, everyone has a little finger of God in them, and yours, you figured it out. And my friend, I tell you, um, we may not come back here for 30 years, but if we do, and when we do, right, someone will look at the poster from this year and they'll remember this moment because I tell you, you just do a fantastic job of bringing it all together. Thank Lee, you so much. Lee, you know, I, it's, it's just such a privilege to be friends with you because the things that you see open my eyes to so much more in the, in the world of golf. I can't thank you enough for being with me on the pro show today. That's very kind, Keith. I love connecting with you at these events. It's uh, it's great to uh, catch up, and it's been a lot of years we've uh, we've we've done years. this, which is really really wonderful. And I've really enjoyed watching your evolution uh, through the through this time as well. So thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to chat, and uh, I look forward to the next occasion. Up next, we have Teddy Greenstein from PointsBet. He's joining me. Thanks for listening to ESPN Nine Twenty. Is there a better feeling than winning a bet? Take it from a professional, a PGA professional like Keith Stewart. When it comes to wagering on golf, you need to know more than analytics. Stats are just a description of a player's habits. But what causes those habits to repeat? There are other elements you need to consider to raise your betting acumen. If you're the type of person who loves to learn and earn by wagering, then you must read the line. With an easy-to-understand newsletter format, in five minutes a week, you can bet with confidence, knowing the picks are made by a golf professional. Golf betting lacks an expert voice. Read the Line brings over 25 years of experience in the golf industry to every prediction. Players are not an exact science, and neither is betting. But when you consider the human element of the game alongside facts and figures, you'll be able to elevate your winning reputation. Go to ReadTheLine.com to subscribe, read, and win. That's ReadTheLine.com. The Stick and Act Challenge app is available now for iOS. Now, the Challenge app is like no other golf game out there. It takes the focus off of your final score and instead turns your round into a collection of challenges, objectives, and accomplishments. With more than 90 unique challenges to choose from, you'll never have the same experience twice. And if that's not enough, you can also challenge friends or strangers to see who comes out on top. Plus, with an XP system that rewards your successes, you'll be motivated to keep pushing yourself further. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out with the game, the Stick and Act Challenge app is the perfect way to add some extra fun to your golf game. You got a great voice for radio. Time to get back on course. Thanks for radio. I, I get a lot of that too. As the pro show continues, once again, Keith Stewart. It's the pro show, and I'm Keith Stewart. You know you're listening to New Jersey's ESPN 920. My next guest is a major friend of the show. 
He's covered a dozen or more U.S. Opens for the Chicago Tribune. Now he's here on behalf of PointsBet. We always check in with Teddy Greenstein when it's championship week. This time we're together in Boston. The fans so far this week have been amazing. So here's a quick little tribute to the Beantown faithful. Boston sports fans, they love that dirty water. That's for sure. The Standells, that's a classic. I know that for sure. You know who else is a classic? Is my man when it comes to major weeks. That is Teddy Greenstein. Teddy, so good to be with you here in the booth. It's a major week, so i got to have a major guest. You know, you've covered a bunch of these U.S. Opens. Yes. Right? Um, Every single one of them seems to have a theme. Mm. Right? What are you pegging it for this week? I think this week is just like all about tradition, like the classics. Um, love being in the Northeast. I'm a New York boy originally, so shout out to uh, all the East Coasters out there, family in uh, in Westfield, New Jersey. Um, so I love when it goes out east, man. Like Marion was a great U.S. Open for me uh, that obviously Justin Rose won. And just walking around here, like the temps are cool. You got these big old trees. It's a cool clubhouse where everything's kind of yellow. It's different from anything I've ever seen. And um, yeah, I was walking on the 17th hole earlier today and thinking about the 99 Ryder Cup. Yeah, well, that, that yellow is primrose. Yellow, mm. which is also the name for the third nine where they borrow a couple holes, yes. which is kind of cool. Um, which was your first U.S. Open you covered? Beth Page Black, and it's the only horrible major I've ever covered. So, oh, so that's 09 then? Correct. Not, not 02. Okay. Correct. Okay. So, right. I, so I did the 09, and I, I think you and I were, were chatting about this one the other day. Like, uh, a few problems. So I, I didn't really know what I was doing. They set me up in a media hotel that was like not even a Holiday Inn Express. It was like four inches below that. Um, my dad was dropping me off from Manhattan. We're like, hi, can he drop us off at the clubhouse? It took like an hour for them to finally let us know, oh no, the drop-off is like at a hotel. Then you got to get on a shuttle. And then at the actual golf tournament, it was cloudy. It was rainy. Like every day you're just walking on, you're like the balls of your feet because you're worried you're going to like squish, you know, your shoes. Oh, yeah. And then like the first round ended on Friday. The second round ended on Saturday. At the time, I'm still writing for the Chicago Tribune. So it's just so confusing to, to describe, you know, this guy's two under, but he's played this round. This guy's two over, but he's got four holes left in this round. It was a horrible major. We were worried that it was going to go to Tuesday. If there had been a playoff, I think it would have. Well, you know, one of the reasons I love having you come on is your evolution. And you mentioned it there. You were with the Tribune, and now you're with PointsBet. But how do you feel like this event has evolved? I mean, I love it right now. I mean, I think so much of it just depends on the choice of venue. Um, So, you know, like I was at Chambers Bay outside Seattle, and that was such a weird one. That was when, like, Mike Davis was on in his full-on, like, mad scientist mode and, like, holes 1 and 18. One day plays at, like, a par 4 and then a par 5, and all sorts of weird stuff was going on. I played the course on that Monday, and the greens were so, like, baked out and dry. I'm just like, this can't be where these guys were playing. It was ridiculous. So now they're going back to more traditional venues. Obviously, this is a place where this is the fourth U.S. Open, right? There have been three before, all determined by a playoff. So this is, you know, with people turning it on and watching this weekend, they're going to see what looks like a traditional U.S. Open venue that puts a premium on what it should, which is like accurate driving and a short game and putting on tough greens. And uh, this place looks beautiful. Uh, 
this place is it's visually stunning. Uh, you know, I've said this a couple times already, I think, in the show, is that I think, you know, for the previous five years or for five years going out or ten years going out, I don't think you're going to see quite a championship venue like this in golf. It's just so striking. Between the rock crop croppings and the fescue grasses and everything, it's just... It's just, a, it's so beautiful. Hmm. It is. And um, I'm going to be walking out by 14 today to try to see uh, Tom Brady's home, or maybe it's more accurately known as Giselle's home, mm. because apparently she was the one who gained membership in the country club before her husband. And I guess it took six years. Normally, it's a minimum of five years for people to gain membership. I've heard this is one of the toughest clubs in America. You need 10 people, 10 members to write letters on your behalf. Um, but it is amazing out there. And also, honestly, Keith, this feels like a uh, kind of laid back U.S. Open vibe, which is weird because we're in the Northeast. But like, I feel like people now, because COVID is you know, kind of done for now and um, the security doesn't seem like as uptight. It's just a great vibe out here. And hopefully uh, folks can make it over the weekend. All right. Now, leading up to all of this, you're here. You work for PointsBet. Let's do a little talk here. Yeah. All right. Um, everyone's always asking you guys like you and I say, who are you picking? Who are you picking? Who are you picking? But who are the masses picking coming into this? I'm yeah. curious, right? So what were the numbers on handle? Um, is the U S open more popular than the masters? I mean, does it continue to grow? Let's start there. Does golf betting continue to grow? hundred percent golf betting grows, especially live betting. And that's, you know, so folks who are listening now who are going to be digging in this weekend, you know, more than half the handle now is live. And it really makes sense, especially for golf. When you think about, you know, a lot of people are busy on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe don't get their bets in, but you got four days starting Thursday morning, um, you know, to throw down. So uh, whether it's John Rahm or Rory or whoever, it's fascinating on Sundays down the stretch because basically every shot changes the odds. Certainly every birdie or bogey among anybody on the top five of the leaderboard. So it's really cool to see. Um, I think the Masters is still the number one betting week, but this should be big too because obviously, Keith, you know, uh, points bet is tied into NBC and the Golf Channel. So um, I feel like there'll be a lot of promo and stuff. There's already been a lot of stuff during the week. Um, and in terms of most handle, Cam Smith was our number one guy. No way. Yeah, Cam was number one, probably because, you know, a month ago, maybe we thought he'd be 15 or 16 to one. And I think I saw him at 21 or 22. So we had some savvy betters say, okay, Cam is still a solid guy there. And then JT Rory and uh, Max Homa, who everybody loves on social media, was uh, was fourth in terms of getting the handle. No Spieth, right? How about Rom? Ram was fifth. Oh, yeah, fifth. Okay. so Ram was right up there. We also had a lot of a lot of action on uh, Sam Burns, Will Zalatoris, but um, didn't see a lot on Spieth. No, interesting. And may, maybe some of it was you know, kind of the rumors and reports like he wasn't feeling so well, so that was kind of sweeping through circles on Wednesday that he had to cut short a practice round. He was gotten some stomach issues, so maybe that affected it as well. I heard he was with you the other night at the Red Sox game over there at Fenway Park. I mean, those Italian sausages, man. It went down easy for me, but maybe not for him. Who knows? Who knows? He he could have a a soft stomach. I don't know. We're not going to go there. Um, You talk about live betting there. So this intrigues me because you get to see the backside of this and you get to see all the analytics, right? Um, For someone who's not maybe familiar with a lot of live betting, right, what are people betting live are they betting the winners are they betting head-to-heads are they betting whole outcomes break it down great question and it depends so much on the event so you know for your uh for your run-of-the-mill um mexico open uh or uh, or colonial 
we'll we'll have a good number of offerings, but not close to as many as we have for the majors. So for those events, yeah, it's mainly going to be the outright winner. People are always trying to figure out who's gonna you know who's gonna take home the hardware. Um, but then for the bigger events, what, what what people are finding you know and continue to on points bet this weekend is hole by hole performance. So if you want to jump in and you know you start watching TV Thursday and you see Rory's on number three, you go on points bet and you can bet on how he's going to perform starting on four, five, six, seven birdie or better par bogey or worse so we have a lot of that then between rounds we'll have updates on top five top 10 top 20 etc etc for a lot of events we also have parlays so for golf parlays we certainly had them heading into the event this year i'm not sure if we have live parlays we certainly do have live parlays during like basketball and and, and football and baseball and all that kind of thing and then in a couple months, we're uh, integrating with this thing called Odds Factory. And what that's going to mean for golf is you'll be able to follow a group and you'll be able to bet on who will have the longest drive in that group, who will be closest to the pin. So micro betting is going to become the big term. So starting late July, early August, we hope to be offering uh, stuff like that. Well, you did my job there because my transition was what, what's coming new. I mean, we have the 150th Open Championship next month. I mean, that's going to be a big deal, but it, micro betting would be a big deal for sure. I mean, if, if there's that much handle on live yeah. betting, then people are into that. You know, it almost makes viewing interactive, don't you think? Uh, 100%. So, I mean, it's funny how certain sports lend themselves better to this and baseball does because there's just so much time in between pitches that you can, you know, bet on a batter's performance one after the next and then golf as well because what well, we've got several minutes between uh you know when these guys um hit an approach shot and you know hit their first putt etc cetera, etc cetera. so yeah i mean if you have a favorite guy um if you want to bet uh will zalatoris shot by shot you basically can that's coming it's not going to come for every event but for the majors we're going to see more and more opportunities what we call markets what most people call like bets or betting opportunities we say like we have the most number of markets offered in golf you know that's interesting because everyone in our world makes a big deal about how popular golf is yes right and we're very happy and proud as golf industry folks you and i and and you know you've been a reporter for the chicago tribune for decades covering golf so we all feel a bit of pride that everyone's you know kind of come around and they said you know what golf's really a cool thing yes right um i could see where baseball would really need that to try to like get a oh, shot in the arm right you know but to add that to golf's popularity right now to me, I mean, obviously it makes sense to me. People know what I'm into, right? Yep. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's that's a really fun thing to do because someone could bet $2. Yes. Right? You know, this is, we're not talking about betting $100 here, right? Yes. Somebody could bet a dollar on every hole and just be that much more intrigued by what's going on. Yeah. I mean, we certainly have the big bettors who are trying for six-figure paydays. I mean, we had a guy bet... Phil Mickelson, uh, I think it was $400 at odds of 200 to 1. So wait, would that pay 80 grand or 800 grand? I think that would pay 80 grand. So guys, we'll, we'll certainly try to make the big strikes. But for the vast majority of people, absolutely. $5 here, $10 there, you know, maybe 50 or 100 if you're feeling a little more frisky. But yeah, if you're a big Colin Morikawa fan, maybe you've done a little research and you think, okay, you know, the the pin position on one of the par threes is back right and he's going to come in there with a high fade and i think he's going to be able to make a birdie you know then use that knowledge to try to make money on these uh, micro bets yeah it's just it's so much fun it's so much fun um let's shift gears for a second yeah because i there is something going on here and i got to get your take on it because you did i mentioned it. you covered golf for a long time uh there's there's a little disruption going on these days right just a little bit just a little bit and you know 
I don't really have you ever sent like sensed anything like this? Because you've covered a lot of sports. You've covered college football. Yeah. You, I mean, you've covered everything for Chicago, yeah. for the town, right? Yes. Jordan, everything, right? Yes. Ha- have you ever really experienced something that's been this polarizing? It's an interesting perspective, Keith, that I can bring. So I'm friends with a guy who works at Rich Harvest Farms, and Rich Harvest Farms is hosting the Live event in September. Like the, I think it's the season ender, or then maybe I saw there was one after that. But it's going to be a big deal. It comes right after um, the FedEx Cup Championships, right after uh, the, uh, the Tour Championship. So this guy had been telling me probably since, I don't know, December, January, hey, have you heard about this, uh, this other tour? He was kind of fishing around. And I, I think like most people, just had not been paying much attention. Like, had it in my mind that Greg Norman had already tried this, I don't know, 25 years ago, and it failed spectacularly. So why was this one going to be any different? And then it develops, it develops. And then, you know, you have that huge moment where the quotes come out, where Alan Shipnuck is quoting Phil as saying they're scary MFers and, you know, all the kind of things. And that almost torpedoed this tour. Uh, if it hadn't been for those quotes, I think even more prominent guys, even young Americans would be playing live events right now. So, you know, then you get to the moment where, okay, people are making fun of the field. It's not going to be any good. But then DJ committing to it, I feel like, was a really big deal. You know, you already have your 40-something Euros. You know, your uh, guys like, you know, Sergio and uh, Graham McDowell and um, Lee Westwood. You know, those guys certainly make sense. But if young Americans are joining, fascinating. So, honestly, I don't blame them for looking. People can get mad at me if they want. But if you got offered five to ten times your salary to work half as much... Uh, I think a lot of people would at least consider that. And in the case of these guys, if they're still able to play the majors, they look at it like, okay, I can still do, you know, the stuff in the game that, that matters to me and to most people out there. Yeah, I mean, we're all doing it. You're doing it. I'm doing it, right? I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but we're doing it. If someone says, hey, Teddy, to do what you're doing now, just the way you presented yes. that scenario, we're all doing it, right? Yep. It, it's just, it is what, it means the nature of the beast. Life's hard. You know, if you can make it a little easier, why not? I mean, I'm personally into politics and and a lot of these issues. I think a lot of the golfers are not. They are professional golfers. They play for money. Um, They also certainly want to win titles. They want to win majors. And it's going to be interesting. I mean, the more guys who play live events, I think it makes it very, very difficult for the PGA Tour to continue to, quote unquote, ban players. Because, I mean... Do they want to have events where 15 of the top 40 guys are not eligible? Like, I don't think that serves their needs. So I hope they can coexist. I mean, there are a lot of weeks on the PGA Tour that are quiet weeks. You know, you had the Mexico Open where it was like John Rahm. And then the next highest ranked guy was Abe Anser, probably at like 24th. So if there are some live events there, hopefully um, they can be successful and the tour can be successful and the majors won't be affected. It'll be very interesting to see what happens with the Ryder Cup. That's the interesting one to see uh, if the U.S. team is affected, if the European team is affected, because that would really suck if we get uh, an inferior Ryder Cup because of this. What if Fred Ridley comes out and says, no Masters, DJ? I know you have a green jacket, but yeah. sorry. Well, We're going to take a pause. He could. Uh, so who? it'd be Sergio. It would be Charles Schwartzrell. It would be DJ. It would be Patrick Reed. Phil. Phil's got Phil, right? Yeah. I mean, does that serve the Masters well to start banning those guys? Um, 
I just doubt that would happen. Um, but man, I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. I mean, it, it, there's too many unknowns there, but the speculation just for a moment there is kind of fun because you start to think about it, and you could hear it, I could hear it in your voice. You're like, well, the wheels start turning. You're like, wow. All right. Um, one of the things that people keep asking me about, because again, they know what you and I are into, right? Is what's points bets take on betting live? Yeah. Go at it. Um, you know, it was this was strange though, Keith. For the London event, we only got it um, regulated, legalized in the state of Illinois. So, so we're legal in 10 states. But what I've learned about this business since joining PointsBet a little under two years ago is every state has its own rules. It's very strange. Like, here's an example. So I, I pitched a, a name a bet yesterday. And part of it was uh, an exact number of goals to be scored in game one of the Stanley Cup finals. And the response from the traders was, in the state of New York, you can't make that bet where it's an exact number of goals in a hockey game. It's like, huh? And then, like, in Michigan... Who even knows those rules? It's Well, the traders do. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I get it. But. Right. It's so crazy. So you've got these state regulators. So, for example, like, in the state of Illinois, where I live... For the longest time, you could not bet on Illinois or Northwestern or Loyola um, on the app. At certain times, you could bet it in a brick-and-mortar sports book. So that's really weird. Then another weird one is in the state of Michigan, we're allowed to offer odds on like the Academy Awards, but we're not in the other nine states. So you have some states that are have all these rules. Like in New Jersey, you can't bet on a college sporting event that takes place in the state, even if it's like an Iowa-Nebraska basketball game like in the Big Ten tournament, if the Big Ten tournament's there. So there's just all these oddities that go on. And for some reason with Liv, we were only able to offer it in Illinois. I would assume that will change and we'll be able to offer it in all 10 of our states. Well, I'll tell you what. I love those name of bets, right? It's one of the reasons why I love points bet. Uh, I stole one of yours this week. You know that, but I stole it. I got to give you props because it was it was a good one, right? And and uh, I should have wrote it in the newsletter, but I didn't. But, you know, Rory versus the Liv guys, yes. that was a great... That was, I mean, that one definitely was compelling. It got my attention, and uh, I, I mean, I just, I just don't see how I could lose it. But I feel that way about a lot of bets. So, yeah, I mean, that was a great one. It's funny. It was so juicy. I mean, Rory to defeat Bryson, DJ, and Phil. You know, three sort of slumping slash injured guys coming in, and the fact that it was priced at plus one seventy, almost two to one on your money. A lot of people were like, "Wait a second! It sounds like one of those Action Network offerings where, like, if Steph Curry scores one point, you turn two dollars into two hundred. Uh, Michael Collins was saying he was not going to bet it because he thinks actually um, Bryson is back and going to have a strong week. So that was kind of an interesting take. But yeah, I think all my friends uh, hit that one as uh, as max as they could. All right, one more question. It's Father's Day this weekend, yeah. right? You're a father. Happy Father's Day, Thank my you. friend. Too. Okay, you as well. But there's a lot of people out there might be searching last minute. You know, there might be some late late shoppers. Yes. Right? Yes. I love the book. Thank you. Quarterback dads. Right. So do yourself a service. Quick plug. Where can somebody get it so they can get it in dad's hands? Especially if that dad is a football fan, yes. or maybe, maybe even he's a quarterback dad. Right. Where can they get it? Yes. Yeah. So thanks for asking. So uh, Quarterback Dads is a book came out in April, and it's a combination of sort of wild stories about modern day quarterback dads, these guys who will do anything to get attention for their kids. So 
I, when I started the reporting, I went to a seven on seven workout and I noticed a drone flying overhead and I asked the dad, what's with the drone? He said, oh, well, we've got a camera attached to it. We're accumulating um, highlights for an Instagram. We're accumulating footage for an Instagram highlights package. I'm like, is that normal nowadays? And I talked to a dad in Michigan who, you know, his son wears a fake arm tattoo sleeve to games and he wears customized cleats. And uh, the dad was offered $1,000 for his kid to switch teams. Oh, the kid is seven years old. So you've got all these weird stories. Another one where the son blocks the dad on Twitter because the dad is tweeting too much, which, you know, if your kid's blocking you on Twitter, you're probably overdoing it. So it's a combination of those kind of stories plus advice for guys like you and me. Our kids play sports. My kids, I have two daughters, they play soccer and you've got these universal questions of like should the kid be self-motivated or should you be firing up the kid um what should you do about social media if anything should you talk about the game on the car ride home so whatever sport your kid plays i think we're all looking for advice and i talk to coaches and trainers and dads and try to load it up with advice so qbdads.com is our main website um or you can um buy it on amazon or you can uh, direct message me at Teddy Greenstein if you want to buy a signed copy. Um, so a bunch of different ways to get it. We also have merch on QBDads.com if you want to get something for your dad or brother or grandfather or uh, whoever. Well, you know, when it comes to writing, I consider you a mentor. Thank so I, I really I appreciate all that you do and you share with me all the time. So I was happy to share that with my listener audience. And thanks for spending a couple minutes. I know major weeks are a busy week, especially with all that's going on Friday afternoon here. Cut line, cut sweats, everything. Yes. I'm sure there's a lot of back and forth between you and PointsBet uh, headquarters. So appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on the pro show there, Mr. Teddy Greenstein. Read the Line is an amazing piece. You help me so much with my prep for Golf Channel and whatever content I do. You are the best uh, in the business. And I would just tell people um, if they want to join PointsBet and they want me to get them some free bets, because I can do that whether they're in New York, New Jersey, or any of our 10 legal states, just hit me on Twitter, DM at Teddy Greenstein, and I will get you set up with an account. Teddy G, he's the man, that's for sure. Thanks for spending the time and enjoy the U.S. Open and Father's Day, my friend. Amen, buddy. Let's be walking some of these grounds, and uh, and we'll talk very soon. All right there, Wade Weezer. We are having one heck of a Friday afternoon on U.S. Open weekend. You got some big plans this, this weekend for Father's Day? Oh, <laughs> you just reminded me it was Father's Day. I Come literally 100% this... forgot it was Father's Day. So not that I know of then. How about that? <laughs> well, that's not good, you know? Oh, man. You're killing me there. Is it You're my is it my responsibility to make plans for Father's Day? I thought that was like the kids or the wife. No, but you can look forward to it. All right, well, I'll tell it's you next Friday. better than Christmas, man, because it's our holiday. <laughs> I look forward to it, yeah. Not doing much. That's my plans. All right. Well, hey, I appreciate all that you're doing down there at headquarters at the mothership, putting all this together. And uh, you know who else I appreciate? I appreciate our sponsors. That's TaylorMade Golf and New Jersey Golf Foundation. Next week, you know, I'm going down to the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. Oh, yes, we are. We'll be down in D.C., folks. So we're on the road again, and I'll be testing you there, Mr. Wade Weezer, but I know you'll come through. All right. You know what? You know who else I love next to Wade? That's my listeners. So before I go, I'm going to leave you all with one brief thought about history. You can read it or you can write it. The choice is yours. 
I'm your host, Keith Stewart, and this is The Pro Show. Thanks for joining us for today's show. The Pro Show with Keith Stewart returns to the team next Friday at 3 on ESPN 920.